what's important though I, I might say uh with seo is back in the day early 2000s say you could just run seo and if your seo was the best out of everybody's you would rank at the top of google however um these days if you say a competitor is running google ads and you're not running google ads to support the seo um what we're finding is that the websites that are running the ads typically are ranking higher than the ones that aren't so i mean if, if we're just speaking frankly obviously um google's a business it's run to make money um and having supporting um platforms like your google ads your google shopping ads for example as well are very very powerful having those generates more traffic Welcome to the Property Management Podcast with That Property Mum. I'm your host, Kylie Walker. I'm a former television sports journalist and mother of four turned co-owner of a million dollar real estate brand. Each week I teach women in the property management industry all the best tips to help you balance your career and family, grow your dream business, master your fear, boost your confidence and conquer your mindset. Ready to get started? Let's dive in. Welcome to the Property Management Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Kylie Walker. And if you are an avid listener of the podcast, you'll know that I love to geek out on all things digital marketing strategy. And while this week, I'm going to dive a little deeper into one of my favorite topics, and that is SEO and website optimization. And before you roll your eyes, think about this. The foundations of your business are all about the system and processes, whereas the foundations of your digital marketing strategy is all about your website and SEO. But don't worry, I'm not going to struggle around with my limited understanding. Instead, I've brought on someone who is far smarter and more knowledgeable than me. His name is James Bealey, and he is a self-confessed nerd who taught himself coding while at uni. Now, James has spent the past 15 years or so mastering the art of SEO and website development. He runs a successful digital agency that helps businesses essentially show up on page one of a Google search. I personally can vouch for the role and job that he does. My own businesses are on page one and he also runs Google ads for me. And currently my real estate website receives on an average of between 1.5K to 2.5K visitors every single week, not month, every single week. And I get it, all this tech talk can be overwhelming and a lot of it's over our heads. But James breaks down all the information you need to know in easy to follow steps. And if you are a DIY website builder, there's some amazing tips to help you get started with SEO and optimizing your website. But before we dive in, I've just got a little side note for you. Have you checked out our Property Management Membership Accelerate? It is a holistic solution to all of your property management training and support needs. You can finally find solutions to all your biggest problems in the one place. If your transformation right now involves less stress, overwhelm and chaos, and more calm, confidence and clarity, head to the show notes and take a look at Accelerate. 
Now let's dive on in and take a listen to my chat with James. James, thank you so much for joining me on the Property Management Podcast. Now, before we dive in, can you please tell our audience a little bit about yourself and get how you got started doing what you're doing? Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me on, Kylie. It's, uh, it's been a long time coming. I'm very happy to finally be here. Um, in terms of myself, I'll give you a very truncated story. So I was uh, born in Kenya, grew up in Zimbabwe, and then came over to Australia, uh, not really knowing what I was going to do, but I went to university, studied business. And I suppose the way that I got into the whole SEO website online space was um, I was studying at university, holidays came around and all my friends were going home. So they were flying back overseas or if they lived in Australia, they were going back to where they lived. And I, I couldn't afford to fly back. So I thought I'd do something productive with my time. And I went to the library like a nerd. I uh, was going through the bookshelves and I found a book on coding and started reading it and it really it resonated with me it was about you know basically how to build a website your know, html css bit of java in there started reading that and um i thought it's something that i, I it, it just it just took my fancy so i started uh trying to do it myself started trying to like build websites and i had a uh, little side business doing pool safety inspections where you have to go you measure up pool fences and you give people certificates saying that it's safe. Um, and I thought I'd build a website for that particular business. Um, so I built myself a very rudimentary website uh, for the business. And then one day I was looking on Google because I, I built it and I thought, you know, the customer's going to start coming in. And I didn't get an inquiry for about two months. And then I started Googling and I realized that even though the website was there, it wasn't a case of build it and they'll come. Um, it just existed, but nobody was finding it. So I started reading up on search engine optimization and online marketing, online advertising, and over time started implementing that into the website until it became number one on Google, if people were looking for pool safety inspector, Brisbane, or something along those lines. And um, after I did that, I figured rather than going out into the blazing summer sun measuring pool fences, maybe I'd be better suited uh, at a desk doing uh doing search engine optimization and website development. So it was quite a it was quite a change and ended up having nothing to do with what I had studied at university. So it's funny how life um, you know, pushes you in, in different directions. But that's how I started and um it's just sort of it's just progressed from then to a point where I love doing it. I, I it's really rewarding seeing um you know websites climb to to the top of the rankings and um yeah it's uh, it's been it's been a wonderful journey. And so now you've got a company, Brisbane Digital Marketing. That's yep, DMB. That's right. <laughs> you got <laughs> That's right. Close. Uh, DMB Digital Marketing Brisbane. Digital Marketing Brisbane. Okay. So, so tell us a little bit about what you do at Digital Marketing Brisbane. Sure. Well, um, we offer a, a wide range of different services from your website development to the SEO side of things, uh, which is my speciality, obviously. Uh, we also offer Google ads. We're a Google partner. We do social media advertising, advertising on YouTube, um, analytics for, for bigger websites where they need to really understand where their customers are coming from, who they should be marketing to, um, that kind of um, uh, technical um, you know, stuff that people need to understand. So a broad range of things. I guess our point of difference is we don't work with any contracts whatsoever. 
So customers stay with us because they see the results and they want to stay with us. They're never locked in um, if they, they don't see results for any reason like that. Uh, and we've been working that way for close on 15 years now, and it's worked really, really well for us. And um, we're actually in the process of rebranding. So when the business first started, it was started by a friend of mine named Phil, and it was called Pixlers. And being the SEO nerd, I said to him, that's not that's not a real word. People aren't really looking for that online. And I found that Digital Marketing Brisbane was um, a search that uh, was getting a lot of a lot of hits. So I said, let's change the name to DMB, Digital Marketing Brisbane. And we progressed up to the, the top of the rankings for that. And then as of a couple of months ago, we decided we're going to expand further to capture more of the Sydney and the Melbourne markets and uh, over in Perth as well. So we are rebranding to just DMB and we're expanding our, our scope and our reach um, as we speak. Uh, got a new website in the works. Got other stuff happening. It's uh, it's been an interesting interesting start to 2023, but uh, it's going well. Okay, very well. Thank you. Okay, tell me, would you like to make maintenance your superpower? Well, you can, and you don't even need to tell anyone. It's all thanks to Tappy, a powerful property care software that takes all the pain, stress, and chaos out of dealing with maintenance and turns it into a predictable process that is reliable and frictionless, where every maintenance process is a smooth experience for everyone with value adds that your owners and tenants will absolutely love. And it seamlessly integrates with your property management software too. And here's the bonus, it can actually help grow your business as well. And if you're rolling your eyes at me right now and thinking, yeah, right, I've heard all this before, then do yourself a favor and book in for a demo at tappy.com.au. Mention that property mum and receive one month free on Tappy. That's very exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing all those changes for you guys. And I can certainly attest um, to the value of what you deliver. Um, I have been with you, I think, maybe three or four years now. We've been working with you, built a couple of different websites and um, obviously continue to, to work closely with you um, in those getting on that, that first page of Google. Um, but let's talk about SEO. And if it's for somebody who um, is new to this or is just starting out their business, they're not really sure what SEO is, um, can you give us sort of a bit of a breakdown, um, especially and, and some tips if somebody's doing their own DIY website, um, some tips for how to start working on their SEO? Absolutely, absolutely. There's a lot. Um, there's a lot of things involved in it, but I will give you a sort of uh, periphery, surface level introduction to it. So, SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Essentially, you are optimizing the back end of a website to give Google what Google wants. So, um, and when I talk about Google, that's sort of a catch-all term. Bing. Uh, there's a, there's several other search engines, but obviously Google's the big daddy. Um, so that's the one that I we we typically focus on. Um, the way that Google works in particular is they've got something called a search bot, and every 24 to 48 hours, that search bot goes out onto the internet and it um, scrapes every website looking for search engine optimization pieces. So bits of code, uh, geographical tags, et cetera, et cetera. It basically information that the, the bot can then take back to Google's algorithm. And then what Google can do with that information is enter that information into its database and its index and 
place your website in its index or its library accordingly. So without oversimplifying it, if your website has better SEO than a competitor's website, you should rank above that competitor for whatever search terms you are looking to rank for. So the example I like to give is if you're selling, um, if you go on Google and you search for red Nike shoes, Adelaide, you'll always get results showing you red Nike shoes in Adelaide as opposed to blue Adidas shoes in Sydney. And that's because the key search terms of red to Nike, et cetera, and the geographical tag of Adelaide have been implemented into that website. Google's able to extrapolate that information and say, okay, if somebody's looking for this, then this is the most appropriate um, search result for that person. Because at the end of the day, Google's only job is to provide people with the right answer to what they are searching for, and that's uh, what its success is, is based on. So in a nutshell, we go into the back end of website and we recode it to make it so that it's easy for Google's bots to extrapolate that information and take it back to the Google library. Um, and there's a, a long list of things that we, we put in there. But if you're starting, probably the biggest problem that I see uh, from an SEO perspective is um, customers sort of guessing what they what their customers are looking for. So what they'll do is they'll assume, say, uh, as, as a poor example, you do uh, double glazed windows, and someone may think that um, customers will be searching double glazed windows, Brisbane, for example. But if you go into Google, uh, into Google Ads, there's a tool called Google Keyword Planner. You just type it in the search box there. And when you go into the Keyword Planner, you're able to type in um, the keywords that you think customers will be looking for, uh, will be typing into Google to find a service or a product like yours. So if you're doing double glazed windows, you can go into the keyword search bar, type in double glazed windows, and then it'll produce a list um, of with the search volumes for that particular search word, but also um, variations of that search word. So double glazed windows. Um, another one could be soundproof windows. It could be soundproof two separate words or soundproof one single word. Um, and it'll pump out often hundreds or thousands of different um, keywords. And those keywords are what customers are actually searching for on Google. So it takes the guesswork out of it. And you're able to see, for example, maybe double glazed windows gets 500 searches a week whereas soundproof windows gets 10,000. And then with that information, um, you're able to say, okay, if, if the search volumes are higher for soundproof windows, then that's the keyword that I should go for. Um, long story short, I see a lot of people who are trying to rank for keywords that don't have a high search volume. So it's really important before you even start is to go into the keyword planner, find out what your customers are actually searching for, and then align your website and all of your SEO efforts with that so that you're actually showing up for what people are searching for. So uh, that's the, the very first um, point that I'd make is get start off on the right foot. Uh, the second point I'd make is that there's um, some, some basic audit software that you can use to run um, a search engine optimized audit of your website. Uh, there's one in particular called mysiteauditor.com. You can go there, um, you put in your URL or your domain of your website, and that will pump out an audit that gives you an idea of how quickly the website's loading, all the basic SEO elements that are in there or are missing from there. 
And if you just follow that, um, it gets you off on a really good initial uh, footing because it'll say, it may say meta tags and have a big X next to it. And you know that there's meta tags missing or the meta tag doesn't contain the keyword or or anything along those lines. So you can just follow that audit and then that'll get your score up and that'll immediately help you start progressing up the rankings. Obviously, um, it, it, it depends on the industry you're in. If there's a lot of competition, you're not really going to see much of a change from that, but it would still get you off on the right foot. And if there's not much competition in your industry, um, if you've got a little niche uh, selling uh, a very particular product and there's not many competitors out there, it can really help you move up the rankings and um, and, and get you get you shown more on Google. Um, moving on from that, uh, once you've gone past the audit, people always say content is king on SEO. What that basically means is you should be uh, have a lot of written text on your website. Um, you don't want to go too overboard, but typically what we found um, through trial and error is if you have less than 500 words on a page, you're not going to be ranking particularly well on Google. You need at least 500 words. Um, and within that word, that, um, uh, you know, those 500 words, you should be peppering in um, certain keywords that you do want to be found for. So if in the Google Keyword Planner, you know, soundproof windows was an example uh, that, that, I, that I gave. You should definitely be saying soundproof windows a couple of times uh, within there. Back in the 90s, we could just do what was called keyword stuffing, where we just say soundproof windows over and over again within that. And Google would be like, oh, this is definitely about soundproof windows. And you, you got the rankings that way. Um, you can't do that anymore, uh, much to, much to my, uh, my, my chagrin. Um, you have to make it uh, seem as natural as possible because the algorithm is able to they're able to see by the the writing whether it's in a sort of a natural way and if it's you know if if you're trying too hard to jam words in there it does pick up on it and it'll give you a black mark and actually push you down the rankings so my advice would be know what your keyword is speak about that pepper it in there but keep it as natural um, as natural as possible and 500 words would be the absolute minimum within that you should have links to other pages on your website you should have links to other websites outside. Um, a lot of people get concerned that if they um, they say they provide a hyperlink with from their website to a competitor's website, that that's just going to be you know that's not good. There's this sort of famine mindset where if they're scratching somebody else's back, that benefits them. Uh, that's not really the case. Um, Google sees it as beneficial to both parties, so you are helping yourself by also in, including you know, links to other websites as well. So content is king, um, is a very important one to keep in mind. Uh, I see a lot of websites getting built these days and they are very visually uh, pretty, lots and lots of like videos and, and all that, but um, they uh, they don't have enough content and Google's, Google's bots aren't able to read pictures per se. So you can have the most beautiful picture there, but Google can't, look at that the bot can't look at that and say oh that's a picture of a uh, an umbrella what you need to do is tell google what it is and you do that by naming the image so you change the name to blue umbrella dot jpeg or whatever it is um and then within the meta tags you'd also obviously mention that it's a, a blue umbrella or or in the alt tags rather you'd say what's in the picture so that Google's able to, to understand what that picture is about and take that information back to the index. Also, if you don't want me carrying on, <laughs> with, with, with the images, um, it's, 
if you have a business where you service a specific geographical location or geographical area, so say you're a, a hamburger takeaway restaurant in, in Ipswich, for example, what you'd want to do with the, within the text, obviously you mentioned where you are so that Google can understand that. But with the images, um, there's a program called GeoImgr, uh, G-E-O-I-M-G-R.com. And you can pop uh, images into that and you can actually type in the address and embed the latitude and longitude tags of where you're located into the images. And that's more information that Google can say, okay, they mentioned that they're in Ipswich on their website. This image, it has a tag saying where that image has come from. And then that's more information for the, uh, the algorithm to decide where you are and obviously uh, rank you higher up in searches that relate to that are taking place in Ipswich as opposed to searches that are taking place over in Perth, for example. So there's lots of different things um, that you can do on the website. So that's a that's a broad overview of some of the, the basic stuff that we do um, on site. There's also off-site SEO, which is the ongoing work you do to um, move you up the rankings and uh, and keep you at the top. So a lot of people um, look at SEO as a sort of set and forget, uh, where you build a website, you pop all the, the uh, search and optimization pieces in there, and then you you wait, you wait for it to move up. Th that doesn't work. What you need to do is constant activity. So the algorithm, each time it sends out the Google bots, they come back and they say there's more activity that's happened and they're able to you know keep bringing more information to the website. Um, Blogs help with that as well. Having uh, blogs regularly updated, there's more information we can take back. But um, what I was going to talk about is the off-site side of things. And I guess another story would explain why <laughs> or how uh, off-site SEO works. So when the way search engines started was at universities in America, I think in the 70s. Uh, was when probably the first one came up and they were on a local area network there. And what would happen is people could write their papers um, or type out their papers and then they could upload them to the internet that they had, the, the small local internet, um, the local area network that they'd have within the university. And then the very rudimentary uh, uh, search engines from back then, they would rank a a paper based on how many people had clicked through to look at it because they assumed if lots of people are clicking through to see this particular paper, then it must be good and they give that paper more uh, authority. So it, it has changed significantly since then, but it still holds true that if you have a lot of backlinks from other websites to your website or to your particular web page, Google sees that as a an important page and gives it more authority and will move you up the rankings uh, versus your competitors. So what you need to do from an ongoing basis is go and fetch backlinks. There's lots of different ways uh, to do that. Some above board, a lot, of, a lot of people do things that are not above board, but we obviously try to keep everything above board. Um, but the most basic way of getting a backlink would be to go to your Yellow Pages or Yelp if you haven't done so already, go there, list your business in there and make sure that you include a backlink to your website or to the particular web page that you're trying to promote from there. And one thing that I see people do uh, incorrectly a lot is they just, they don't copy and paste 
their domain exactly as it is in the say yellow pages link um, uh, listing. What they'll do is they'll type out you know um, Bob's Bob's Umbrellas dot com rather than https forward slash forward slash www.bobsumbrellas.com.au. You do that, and then Google goes directly to the website, and that is a clean backlink. And those are those are the best. If if you forget to do HTTPS or you do www by by mistake, Google has to redirect customers to get back to your website. So it's important to just copy paste, have it exactly um, as it is, and then that gives you as much SEO um, benefit and credence as possible. So would Google, you know, when you, you add your Google reviews, is that considered a backlink and your Instagram feed, are they, do they work in that same way? Within your Instagram feed, I always encourage customers to include the URL there. So at the, if you do a post um, at the end of it, say for more information, check out our website at, or if it's about a particular web page within the website, you know, um, the smaller page within it, definitely include a uh, copy-pasted backlink to that. In terms of uh, Google reviews, um, Google Business is the platform that shows up on map listings. And if somebody types in the name of your business exactly, then you'll you'll pop up there. Um, and, uh, and if it's done well, then you can show up for other searches as well. Um, they, they are, the, the Google Business links, um, um, backlinks are a single backlink from the Google Business page but the reviews themselves are not backlinks. However, the more reviews you have, the better, um, because you can use programs uh, like Yotpo or Trustpilot to um, basically get as many reviews as possible. And you can display those uh, five-star reviews in Google searches. So if you're searching online, uh, you probably would have noticed that there are um, some listings that don't have any stars on them and others that do. And I know my wife says that even if a website ranks at the top of her search, if she sees one that's two or three places below and it shows five stars and it's got 100 five-star reviews, she just skips down to the one with the star reviews. It's very powerful and uh, clicks on that. On that point, though, another thing that I, I see customers do a lot of is they they use um, reviews platforms to get as many reviews as possible, but Google only allows um, certain reviews platforms to show stars on Google. So if you've gone and got a thousand reviews uh, using a platform that isn't a, um, I think Google terms are like a, a trusted provider, uh, then it doesn't matter how many reviews you've got, Google won't let you show those reviews in its listings. It's very, very important that you find um, a, uh, a, a provider or a review fetching mechanism that is trusted by Google and is on its list. I believe there's about 30 or 40 uh, different options. Uh, the one that we often use is Yotpo. Another one is Stamped. And uh, I think Trustpilot is the third one that's uh, still considered a, a trusted review provider. Um, so if, if you're going to start getting reviews, make sure you use one of those because if you don't, it's going to be for nothing. And reviews are pretty important. They are, yeah. Google's um, the algorithm uh, become it, it becomes more complex uh, year on year. But um, reviews and star reviews and reviews on your website, reviews on Facebook, it all it all adds to your um, authority, the authority of your website. Um, obviously, there's uh, there's the right way and the wrong way of getting reviews. You can, of course, 
pay a um i don't know a russian um review farm to go and get you know a, a reviews for you and you used to be able to you used to be able to pay like 500 bucks for 500 reviews um google squashed that uh, probably five years ago and they actually blacklisted businesses that websites that were doing those sort of black hat ways of getting reviews so it, it's a good thing if you if you just do it the right way um you send out you get the right reviews platform and you request reviews from legitimate customers it takes a bit longer but it pays dividends in the long run if you are anything like me you think you know your rent roll numbers well i thought i did until i had a rent roll health check and i was quite literally shocked the money i was leaving on the table was astounding and this is not something that i'm proud to admit there were mismanagement fees let fees advertising and lease renewal fees not being charged and properties even without bonds and all of this was happening despite monthly audits being conducted in my business so how did I uncover all these gaps in my valuable income? Well, I had a rent roll due diligence from my good friend Tazi, aka the Rent Roll Queen and founder of the Tazi Way, a specialist in rent roll due diligence, business valuation and management rights. The Tazi Way is the innovative force driving the real estate industry with 25 years of business and real estate acumen they find gaps and risks in your agency to find undiscovered value. If you'd like to book your business in for a rent roll due diligence, head to the link in the show notes and mention that property mum for a 10% discount. There's been so much talk of stress, overwhelm and burnout in property management lately. Do you want to know how I overcame all of that? Yes, I hit rock bottom multiple times, but I got myself a virtual assistant. Actually, not just one, but three. But I didn't just get any VA, I got a PMVA. What are they? Well, they are the most well-trained in the business. And not only that, you also have a backup VA. So that essentially, your business is never without admin support ever again. And my health, time and business has never looked back. Your PMVA can take care of tasks like rent arrears, lease preparation and renewals, maintenance follow-up, routine inspection bookings, data entry, audits, prospecting, inbox management, and so much more. And the best part of implementing a PMBA in my business was that it freed up my time and my team's time to take care of important things like customer service. What makes me feel so safe is that PMBA is owned by Tiffany Botel, both here and in the Philippines, making my data secure and giving me more control over the VA arrangement. So head to the link in the show notes to book in your discovery call with Lady Boss Tip. Absolutely. So let's just break that down a little bit more. The SEO, that, I mean, that's amazing. I think there's so many key, crucial little elements and tips and key things that people can take away if they're going to do a DIY website. But let's talk about why it's so important to have that ranking on page one of Google. Do you have any stats around how many pages down people go? Because I know my stat, it's page one or nothing. You're absolutely right. So they say the best place to hide a dead body is page two of Google because nobody ever nobody ever looks there. Um, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but I do know that top place uh, gets by far the most um, the, the the most clicks. It's, it's well over ninety percent. 
But the, it's interesting. Interestingly, the the difference in click through rates between first and third isn't isn't very much at all. It's only a couple of percentage points. So as long as you're in the top three for your primary search term, which you've obviously checked is what people are searching for in Google's keyword planner, as long as you're in the top three, then you, you're you're okay. Um, what's important, though, I, I might say uh, with SEO is back in the day, early two thousands, say. You could just run SEO, and if your SEO was the best out of everybody's, you would rank at the top of Google. However, um, these days, if you say a competitor is running Google Ads and you're not running Google Ads to support the SEO, um, what we're finding is that the websites that are running the ads typically are ranking higher than the ones that aren't. So, I mean, if, if we're just speaking frankly, obviously, um, Google's a business, it's run to make money. Um, and having supporting um, platforms like your Google Ads, your Google Shopping Ads, for example, as well, are very, very powerful. Having those generates more traffic uh, to the website and uh, traffic begets more traffic. So if Google sees that a website is getting a lot of visitors to it, and again, it sees that as a high authority website. This must be good because loads of people are going there. And then it slowly uh, moves, you up, moves you up the rankings uh, that way. Again, I'm sort of oversimplifying it. There's a lot of other things that come into it. If, if your bounce rate is high, for example, which means that customers land on your website and then they leave, they don't go to another page, that's really bad. It doesn't matter if you have a million visitors. If they're all bouncing straight away, Google sees that as a negative thing. So it's important that not only are you getting traffic to the website via SEO, good uh, Google ads, good shopping ads, or, or, or social media, whatever you're doing. It's important that customers engage with the website as well once they're there. So in terms of the layout, obviously, um, I, I think we're going to move on to that topic. So I, I, yeah, I no, keep going with Google well. ads. Yeah, that's my next question. <laughs> I was talking about Google ads and how, why the Google sure. algorithm loves them and what type of Google ads. I know because once upon a time it was the um, pay-per-click um, is that still what's happening? Maybe just yeah, break down Google Ads for us. No problem at all. You have um, you have two options, and I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the option that that we we always go for. Um, so and it's it's the same with uh, Facebook or Meta. Um, you have a choice of running your ads on a cost per impression basis or a cost per click basis. The cost per impression basis um, is when you get charged when you've been seen a thousand times. Um, the cost per click is when you get charged if a customer clicks. We always go for, well, not always, but almost always go for the cost per click model because then it doesn't matter if you're seen you know, a hundred times, if nobody has clicked on you, you don't get charged. You only get charged when somebody has physically clicked on an ad and come through to your website. And if they've taken the time to sit down at their computer, Google something, and click on um, on an ad. We see them as a very engaged um, engaged customer and are more likely to convert. All you need to do is have a good website and the right stuff on their website to convert them. So um, rather than doing the old school way, a uh, cost per impression where you show 100, you know, 1,000 times and then you get charged, somebody may not click on that and you're paying anyway. We uh, we always go well ninety percent of the time we go for a cost per click method. I um I see the cost per impression method used um, from time to time, 
But the way I see it is it's almost like having a billboard on the side of the road and you could have a million cars drive past that billboard on the way to work, but you don't know if anybody's actually clicked on that ad. Same with adverts in the paper. You know, you, you don't know. Um, there, there's obviously ways to to tell if somebody has. You could have like a unique phone number on there or something. You could say, okay, well, this person's called of that number, so they must have seen the billboard. But I'd, I'd much rather be paying for engaged customers that have actually clicked on an ad rather than just spamming them and hoping that they see it and they click through. Absolutely. Um, you just touched on something which is leads perfectly in perfect segue into my next question was what are the once they've clicked through and they've landed on your website, what are the key elements that you need to have to um, optimize those those leads or capture those leads? Because that's what we all want at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a, that's a good question. And it's it. it, it... It does vary. It depends on the industry and, and what you're selling. You know, there there are times where you do want to just capture their attention with a with a stunning video or some real really nice visuals. What I'd say before they get to the website, you need to have it loading quickly. So uh, anything slower than say two two and a half seconds load time is um, is a sort of a black mark against the website as far as Google's concerned. Google wants fast loading websites, so it's worth um, engaging a uh, good uh, hosting provider, particularly one that it, it's good to have one with a CDN that's based in Australia. Um, quite a few clients come to us and their load speeds are very poor because they've got server, the, the hosting provider has servers over in Singapore or America, or whatever. And we always say, you know, let's, let's get it like a, a Brisbane or a Sydney based one to help with the load speeds. Um, what uh, that, that is a service we provide as well. Just uh, just wanted to mention. Um, so it's important to have Australia-based service for fast load times. Uh, also optimizing the website. It, as I said just previously, it's great to have uh, a really eye-catching video or, or something or like a, a big bold image and lots of movement to really like catch their attention. But those all um, take time to uh, to load. And without getting too deep in the waters, Google's most important uh, metric is your uh, first contentful paint, which is basically how long it takes for the page to load that the customer sees. Whatever loads beyond that, like as as they roll, they scroll down the page, isn't as important. But having a fast load time for that initial uh, view is important. And if you're going to be running uh, videos or have a very very big image there. That can lots of movement and words coming in, whatever. That's all information that needs to be processed by the server um, and can really slow down your load speeds. So, if you're going to do a video, if you've got your mindset that you, you really want a video, it's important that you compress that. Uh, there are loads and loads of websites online where you can do it for free. Just type in um, MP3 compressor or not MP3 and uh, you know dot uh, move or MP4 or whatever it is pop it in there, compress it, and you, often they'll reduce the size of the video by up to 70%. But as, as a person looking at it, you, you can't tell. It still looks exactly the same, but it takes away a lot of the unnecessary um, data that's in the back end that would slow down a load speed. Same with images um, and videos, I suppose. It's important to rescale them. So a lot of websites, they'll have a, an, an enormous um, image for their, for their banner. And obviously, on big screens, you want the image to look as clean and crisp as possible. But it, sometimes we go in there, and, and it's like ten thousand pixels. And as long as it's eighteen hundred to two thousand pixels, it's still going to look really, really good. There's no point um, having it too big. So just jump into Photoshop or Canva or whatever you want, and just make sure that you resize images and videos to 
fit the screen and uh, they're not they're not too big. Oh, on that as well, sorry. You can also, uh, there's compression software that you can use. There's um, a website called TinyJPEG, TinyJPG, which helps to compress images. Uh, there's also a program called Smush uh, for WordPress websites. That helps to compress them further. Um, but that all helps with the load speeds um, of a website, uh, particularly if you've got a very visual and content-heavy website. It's important to do that because Google doesn't like slow-loading websites. And what about, um, obviously, mobile? Most people are using their mobile, so it's important to make sure that you are across the mobile version of your, your website as well? Absolutely. It's um, most... I'd say the vast majority of websites out there self-scale these days. So you've got one website and it's, you know, if, if it's viewed on a big screen, then it's a certain way and it self-scales down if it's on mobile devices, which is which is fine for, for most businesses. Um, what we do is we actually build three versions of every website that we produce. Um, we build a, uh, a desktop version for desktops and laptops, a tablet version that's a bit smaller and a mobile version. And um, what that does is that, speeds up load speeds massively because if a customer is viewing it on a mobile phone, a different version of the website will be presented to the customer and it loads a lot quicker. It's not slowed down by the self-scaling process that happens um, when uh, a website that's just um, say built on like a free template that needs to scale down to fit whatever size um, screen it's being viewed on. So it's a lot more time time heavy and I'd say probably engaged like an experienced web developer for something like that because uh, it can it, it can go haywire um, but yes it's uh, it's helpful if, if, if you're really looking to make big moves and rank highly on Google it's worth genuinely reaching out to a professional website developer not a website designer because there is a difference a designer can make you a very pretty website um, but a developer is able to uh, construct a website in such a way that it, uh, it operates optimally um, and works better. Fantastic. Now, tell me, I love personal development and you just mentioned before we dived into the episode that you love philosophy. So what is, some, what, what is something that you could recommend for somebody that's interested in personal development and growth and that sort of thing? Oh, you're, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> I uh, I do. I, I love. Uh, I, I, lo I love philosophy in, in particular. I suppose um, I'm really taken by uh, stoicism. So um, I've, I've. Again, I was at the library, and I, I don't want to make it out that I spent a lot of time at the library. But when I do, I seem to stumble upon good things. I um. I found a book uh, called Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. I took that out and I read that, and that uh, really changed the course of my life in a lot of ways it's um he he doesn't explicitly talk about being a stoic but he embodies a lot of the stoic uh virtues so uh without getting too deep in the waters they are wisdom justice courage and moder moderation um and he he just it, it was never meant to be published it was just his musings and his sort of diary but he's he's writing to himself and at the time he was the most powerful man in the world he was the emperor of rome um could have anything he wanted but throughout the book he just talks about being being sort of level-headed and uh, you know not letting not getting too high not getting too low always trying to stay um balanced so I, I think about it like a seesaw and when you when you're out of balance you're, you're out of whack and it's all about bringing yourself back into that uh equanimity as um as quickly as possible and i i really really wish that i'd um Stumbled upon stoicism when I when I was younger because I'm quite a uh, 
I don't know, um, I guess emotional, but um, that's not the word I'm looking for. Uh, I, I'm a reactive person. Like my, 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 I just, I just do things and I, I can be, I can be um, taken by my emotions quite easily. And, and stoicism really talks about how you, um, you can just control your mind and you can um, settle and uh, take things as they are. One of the things that stood out for me, I think it was Epictetus who on that poster, behind me over there and he talks about um uh your you don't control what happens to you you control your response to what happens to you and i think um uh, victor frankl said something similar in his book man's search for meaning where he says um between the stimulus and your response there is a space for you to choose so something can happen to you but you can always pause for that split second to think before you react uh, and when I was younger, I think most people are, you know, it's very reactive. Like something would happen, I would just react immediately. But um, as I'm getting older and uh, less hair, a little wiser. bit wiser. Uh, yeah, a little bit wiser. I, um, I'm able to sort of slow down a bit and really just, you know, understand that there is that uh, that opportunity to take a pause and um, and think before you, before you speak. And how does that work with your new son? How does that philosophy work with him? Uh, well, he, he's he's not he's not talking just yet, but he'll probably be uh, a challenging uh, bit of a smart ass like his dad when he is chatting. So I think that that'll come into play then. But yeah, there's um there's obviously the sleepless nights as you can probably see, uh, and it, it is it can be challenging at times to really just you know stay balanced, keep the seesaw in balance. But um, I'm, I think I'm doing an okay job so far, and he's, he's a really good kid. He's very, um, he's very easy going. He's, he's a happy little boy. Uh, he has his moments, of course, like, like any child, uh, and he's my first. But uh, yes, uh, learning. We're, it's a learning process for, for for all of us. It's going well. And it, and one of my good friends always says to me, you know, it's the toughest job you'll ever love being a parent, which is very true. Now. There's so much information there. Thank you so much for that deep dive into all things SEO and websites. Now, how can our audience connect with you, um, find out more, get some expert opinion on the SEO? And sure. Um, well, we are, the business name is DMB, Digital Marketing Brisbane. So people can search that and uh, then we, uh, hopefully we come up and they can click through. Uh, I come through the website there and that's all of our contact information. Um, we purposely have a very long URL, which is www.digital-marketing-brisbane.com.au, which is very cumbersome. Uh, but is perfect for SEO uh, for Google because it says exactly what we are. And Google's able to say, oh, these guys do digital marketing in Brisbane and they can take that back to the, to the index. So we can be found at digital-marketing-brisbane.com.au. Um, and yeah, that's the, uh, maybe in, in the footnotes of this, uh, this, this video, I'll just leave a little link in there because it's a nice little backlink for us. Yep, absolutely. And I'll share all your details in the show notes as well. Um, thank you so much, James, for joining me. Not a problem at all. Thank you very much, Carly. I'm glad we got around to it. Property inspections, entries, exits, incomings, outgoings, routine inspections, whatever you call them, you have to do them. And I remember when I first started as a property manager, you had to handwrite the reports and take notes on a digital camera, then upload the photo memory card to your computer and hope and pray that they weren't all blurry or your computer had enough memory to store them. But gone are those days. Thanks to Inspection Express. 
Now, Inspection Express is not only the number one tool used by leading property managers across Australia and New Zealand, but the leader in groundbreaking new tech in the industry with the launch of 360 degree virtual tours. Now, virtual tours is upping the ante, giving landlords, owners and directors unparalleled 360 degree virtual access to their properties. So head to the link in the show notes to book in your free demo with Inspection Express. If you love the Property Management Podcast, you've got to check out the PM Collective, hosted by my friend, Ashley Goodchild. She discusses things like how to have awkward conversations about pay rises, um, yes please, how to raise the bar in property management, and why so many people just seem to fall into the industry. You've got to love stories like that. She'll leave you with great advice, actionable steps to take, and let you know that you're not alone in any of the challenges that you face. So be sure to check out the PM Collective wherever you get your podcasts. Can I ask you a quick favor before you leave this episode? Now we all know how important reviews are for businesses these days and mine is no different. If you could spare just a minute to follow, rate and review this podcast, it would mean a lot to me. In fact, what would get me super excited is if you share this podcast with someone in the industry who you think might need to hear some of the episodes right now. And if you'd like to find out more about working with me or any of the products I have to help you start, grow or scale your property management business, head to my website, thatpropertymum.com.au or check out the links in the show notes.